ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, please contact us. Two easy ways to do that are... Carrier Pigeon. And... Telegraph. Pigeon Point. Telegraph. Oh, okay. Email ignition at sfcatholic.org. Twitter at sfdiocese hashtag ignition. So email or Twitter ignition at sfcatholic.org. Twitter sfdiocese hashtag ignition. Father Dickinson, how goes it today? Better than my sins deserve. You said that last week. I say that every week. The more things change, the more they say the same. That's what I hear. I used to know how to say that in French. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Really? Why? From a Rush song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I said it correctly. It might have been like Quebecese. Rush is for, uh, Canadian. No. You you didn't. I'm not seriously. Not a fan. Yeah, they're the, like, the best import ever from Canada. Ooh. No, I, I yeah, that that's that's not very American of you to say like this. That that harsh judgmentalism of you. Is Actually, very... I would say like I I. I there's no other reason I want to be a Canadian other than to say that I am from the country that produced Rush. The band. <laughs> I've never I'm proud to be an American except for the fact I would want that to be a Canadian. I want to be a Canadian just to say I'm from the land that produced Rush. Okay. What about Strange Brew? I've never seen it. Oh. We're not here to talk about Canada today. We... <laughs> Well, but we are, we are here to talk about uh, imports. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're definitely here to talk about imports. Oh, okay, I look forward to seeing how this goes. I'm going to set this up. Here's my segue. Uh, Father, you and I have been doing for some time imports. now a... Mm-hmm. I know, we'll come back to imports. Okay. Um, an occasional series on on the, the, the books, letters, etc. of the New Testament, of the, ultimately of the Bible, but we, we were beginning with the New Testament. So we've looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts of the Apostles, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, and next in line... St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the first of the letters. The first. <laughs> nice recovery. Yeah, no, oh, oh, there was recovery. Oh, there. that was not recovery. Oh, all. please. So, uh, St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Right. Imports. Yeah, he imported the faith to oh, Corinth. Oh, I thought, he, like, he's an import. Like, he's not from Corinth. I know. Well, he's not from Corinth. So, I, I was... The, I, and so, I was, he, I mean, just as Rush brought uh, amazing power rock trios with uh, uh, with with uh, wonderful uh, li- storytelling and lyrics uh, to the United States that no one else really has done or has been able to do. Wow. So St. Paul imported the faith to Corinth. <laughs> yes, he did. The life-saving, giving, uh, life-saving and life-giving faith that glorifies the God of all eternity and reveals to us the mystery of the incarnation and the glorious uh, and holy trinity I mean, yeah. 
Yes, he did. I mean, every comparison fails at some point. Yes, it does. But you can still make the comparison. Yes, you can. So. <laughs> I, you, 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 I, that's a stretch. Come on. That's not a stretch. <sighs> okay. Well, it, it, it was a fairly. Uh, all right. It, you know, I've never yeah. thought about being from Tarsus. But if there's every reason I'd want to say that I was from Tarsus, it beats that I could say I'm from the same place as St. Paul. St. Paul was here. Um, but they would have known him as Saul. Well, the Romans would have known him as Paul. But the Tarsusians, Tarsusians, uh, people from Tarsus, were they all Jewish? Uh, I kind of assume so. I don't know. I'm not sure about that, Father. <laughs> we're after a really rocky start. I blame you. It's not rocky at all. Rock ballads. No, that's not even a pun that works. Did your segue? Yes, it did. So anyway, we're going to continue our occasional series on Proverbs nine eight, the books of the New Testament. Look it up, um, and, and we are looking at the first letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. Um, as as we do, if, you, if you've listened, if you've heard some of the previous episodes in this series, um, we, we sort of follow a rough format of looking at the author of the document, the date in which they probably wrote it. As smooth as anything is on ignition. <laughs> exactly. Um, who who they wrote it to, why they wrote it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and some of the themes. I want to do the same approach here. Uh, St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, first letter to the Corinthians, written by... St. Paul. St. Paul. So uh, St. Paul refers to himself in the letter as the author. Um, external attestation provided by Pope Clement I in... 95 AD. Right. So, so in other words, there's. Um, it's not just from within the letter that we we see referred the reference to the author Saint Paul, but also other historical evidence as well. Right. Uh, so already in 95 AD, Pope Clement was talking about Saint Paul's letter to the Corinthians as if everyone knew about it. Because he was writing to the Corinthians too, which right. is actually last week we were talking about the papacy, um, Pope Francis mm-hmm. and his visit. Really interesting. One of the things that that uh, struck me when I learned it, mm-hmm. Pope Clement did not plant the church in Corinth. Pope Clement's spiritual predecessor, um, St. Peter, did not plant the church in Corinth. And yet Pope Clement, Bishop of Rome, sees fit to involve himself in matters in the church in Corinth. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? The Pope. Exactly. So already showing um, by the end of the first century, the authority of the Bishop of Rome to intervene in churches outside of Rome. Correct. So, um, so St. Paul being the author, uh, we, we see historic, early historical evidence, and really it's never been uh, doubted, denied, or questioned. Even today, you know, a lot of times uh, modern biblical scholarship has, has brought into question the traditional authorship of various books of the Bible, but this is certainly one that has never really been questioned, even by modern scholarship. Impeccable. Right. Probably written in Ephesus during... Paul's third missionary journey, somewhere around the year 56 AD. So Ephesus was, was kind of a place where it was at in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, Ephesus was like Rome today. Oh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And even with it, so I think the, the, the John was there for a time, right. probably with Mary. Yep. The Blessed Virgin Mary. Paul, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who else? Anybody mm, else? Luke. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe so Luke. an early seat. Some Ephesians. Um, so, <laughs> Presumably some Ephesians were in Ephesus. Um, an early hotbed, if you will, of the faith as well as Corinth and other places. Um, so, Corinth, speaking of Corinth, tell us a little bit about Corinth, Father. 
Well, Corinth was a flourishing commercial hub of the Mediterranean world and uh, a seaport town. Uh, a lot of business going in and out. Very, uh, we might say today, like metropolitan. Sure. You know, so entrepreneurs, tourists, uh, gladiatorial games, a lot of shameless immorality. Uh, it's kind of like Las Vegas. <laughs> It's true. Pagan shrines, right? Uh, but also maybe more like New York City or L.A. Actually, when because they also had a ruthless spirit of competition. Right. I was thinking New York. Came right. To mind so like, way. I mean, you know, you would stab your own mother in the back if you thought it was going to improve your business chances. Right. Right. Um, also, like New York, capital, regional capital. Right. Uh, although that's not true because New York is not a capital. Oops. <laughs> but you didn't catch that either. So ha ha egg on both of our faces. Albany is the capital of New York. Thank you, listeners. I knew that. When and I Pierre said it. is the capital of South Dakota. That's <laughs> what I thought before I moved here. <laughs> but uh, you non South Dakotans. Uh, yeah, I know. So, so, but it was a provincial capital um, right. uh, in the Roman Empire as well. So, so in terms of government and as you said, commerce, etc., a lot going on. Which, which is just part of Paul's strategy is to take uh, the gospel not just to any old spot, but to places that would disseminate and spread the gospel to other places as well. Which I, Father, I think that's a great model and witness for us today because mm-hmm. we kind of want to go to the low-hanging fruit. Oh, yeah. Paul didn't. No. And that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's part of our mentality at, at the Newman Center uh, where I'm assigned uh, with our focus ministries. Uh, yes, we certainly, you know, whoever comes to us, we take one to be good stewards of the gifts that's given to us as far as the, like, the students that come in the door. But at the same time, we're also mindful of you know, where can I influence others on the campus? Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's why St. Paul went there. Uh, we believe around 51 AD. So uh, would that be in his second missionary journey? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When do we, um, I don't remember right now. I don't know if you do. I don't remember when we roughly date. No, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but around 51 though. Yep. Is when but, he... So um, that's so it's 18 years after the death and resurrection of Christ and five years before he writes his right. letter. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's that gap between the two. Correct. So, all right. As we continue on here in Ignition, a uh, broadcast for the new evangelization. Remember, if you have any ideas for future episodes or critiques about our bad banter <laughs> or critiques about Dr. Bergwald critiquing me, Either. my. Uh, We're getting really meta now. We are. Uh, do uh, make sure that you email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or tweet at us uh, at SF Diocese with the hashtag of ignition. So getting into the purpose for the letter then, Father, you just mentioned it's been five years since Paul founded the church in Rome, imported the gospel, the good news Thank of you. Jesus Christ uh, into Corinth, the church in Rome, I mean Corinth, sorry. Um, and and um, now he's writing this letter in advance, writing it from Ephesus, saying, I'm coming and I'm sending my letter before me. Right, so preparation for that. And it's for the purpose, really, of calling them to task, a rebuking of them, a correction of them uh, for uh, their sins and also for their divisions within uh, the body. Right, and, and, and just calling them back to the basics of the Christian faith, of Christian doctrine. Right. Um, so some of the themes and characteristics of the, of, of the letter, Father, um, I think it's, it's, inter- it's interesting to me that if you look at um, early Christianity, the, 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 the centuries after St. Paul wrote the letter, the centuries after Christ, the early years of, of, of Christian history, um, this was the most widely cited of St. Paul's letters. 
Not the longest. Romans has that distinction. Romans is probably a bit more <laughs> theological in some ways. But 1 Corinthians was the most widely cited of, of St. Paul's letters. Why do you, any, why do you think that is? Uh, well, I think, well, I mean, certainly because the idea that um, it's uh, bringing back to uh, the basics, and it's also with challenges that we still continue today yeah. in uh, our faith. Uh, the idea of divisions, of sins, of the gospel not really taking root. Right, right. So the the issues that the Corinthians faced were not unique to Corinth. No. Um, maybe some of the details, the specifics perhaps. Nor even to New York City. Definitely not. No, which is not the capital of anything. Paris or Rome? Uh, <laughs> um and some of the specific problems that he does deal with, again, that we continue to face, uh, pride and selfishness. Right. Which is, I mean, which makes sense because pride and selfishness in like a theological anthropology to reach out and touch in a uh, occasional uh, series that we do here as well in theological anthropology. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yep. Very nice. To point at that, um, which you can find in our archives on the Ignition uh, website on sfdiocese.org. Uh, but uh, pri- uh, pride and selfishness, as part of original sin, really is the greatest mar, the greatest weight and burden upon our uh, efforts to live the Christian life. Right. Now, we should say, um, with with this series that we're doing, um, <laughs> I think we've probably talked, I'm, I'm guessing I've talked about this before. Father, I have this problem where I tend to read like Bible commentaries more than I read the Bible. Bible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're giving you here sort of an introduction to the letter. We really want you to read the letter, though. Just read the letter. Um, maybe this is just hopefully in some way, if you haven't read 1 Corinthians in its, in its, in its um, uh, lost the word. But now you know how to pronounce it. Corinthian. If you haven't read the whole letter before, take the opportunity to do so. It's yeah. not that... Like like most of the books of the New Testament or documents, it's not that long. Um, so so maybe uh, take the opportunity now to do that. Uh, maybe again, Advent is coming up. Maybe you want to take Saint Paul's first letter to the Corinthians as a, some spiritual reading. Maybe you want to set aside some time over. Uh, uh, we actually this will be airing just after Veterans Day. Yes, it will be. No, but maybe over Thanksgiving. There you go. Set aside some time. Yeah, halftime during the Notre Dame Stanford game. <laughs> There you go. So in any case, the point is read St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Don't just listen to our common, well, it's not even common, our introduction to it. You know, everyone just turned ignition off right there when you yeah, said that. I know. That. Like, okay, yeah. fine. What's the point? Okay, well, well because we're going to talk about some 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 nuggets, some details, some specifics of the letter. And they all um, turned it back on. And then, <laughs> but they won't know to turn it back on if they turned it off. Oh, what a conundrum. Darn. This is like one of those time loops in like a sci-fi movie. It, yeah. So, Father, what are some of the topics that St. Paul addresses in this letter that you think Oh, are my goodness. I could just talk about, there's so many awesome things in this letter. Can I just like list a bunch of them and we can just then like hit them more yeah, or less? Yeah, but what if you, you tease the audience and then you can't come back to them? Well, then they can read it. Ooh. Oh. Nicely played. <laughs> Did you did you mean for me to say that? Go for it. No, oh, that, was, okay, okay. that was well done. Better okay. than the segue before at the top of the show. Okay. Uh, that was a good segue. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's lots of great topics. So right away, like in the beginning, he talks a lot about uh, wisdom, uh, which goes to that whole idea of come back to the Christian basics and the cross. This is like in chapters one and two, um, where he talks to them about uh, uh, the type of wisdom we should seek as Christians. Uh, first Corinthians three, he has a great little passage about, uh, purgatory, 
which I just love uh, to to remember and to reference, especially when we're explaining or inviting others to consider the goodness of Catholic doctrine. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 7 and 8, uh, he talks a lot about uh, sex and marriage and human relationships, uh, which, of course, we got that all figured out after he wrote that, and it's never <laughs> been a problem. 21 ever since. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, there's some really great stuff on the Eucharist and on who is welcome to communion. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, talking about the spiritual gifts, uh, sanctifying gifts, which are for you, versus charismatic gifts for the church. And then 1 Corinthians 15, uh, he talks about the importance and primacy of the resurrection. Right, right. So just so, pause and rewind unless you're listening <laughs> on the lamb. Then you'll just have to download later and then you can right. get this. Don't so, take notes while you're driving in your car listening on Lamb Catholic don't. Radio. You can always go back and, and find this episode online and, and listen to it's it not again worth it. and again go and, back and again and, and again, again. And again. Your own little purgatory. It's not worth taking your hands off the wheel. Um, so 10 minutes, Father, to, to tackle uh, some, well, to, to start going through this list. As you mentioned earlier, um, the, the benefit to me of, of giving that list is just to give sort of a um, a tease of what is in the letter. Yeah, the rich the rich opportunities that are in the letter. Um, anyone that you kind of want to, like what piques your interest? Because, I mean, I can always talk all day. So I want to jump ahead mm-hmm. to chapter 11. Okay. Bankruptcy. <laughs> Chapter 11, the Eucharist, closed communion. Yeah. It's a scorcher. So, St. Paul's <laughs> kind of a mean guy. Let's, let's just, let's get done. Well, he he does talk about his own temper. <laughs> right? It's not what I mean. Oh. Not that sort of mean is not what you mean. It's not what I mean by mean. You're going for more average sort of mean? The everyday sense get it? of mean. Average? Yeah. Is it mean? That was yeah. Yeah, also well done. <laughs> All that math you had in college. Um, Stats. So, so you want to talk about the institution of the Eucharist. Right. So in, this is about uh, halfway through uh, uh, that chapter, around verse 23, really, and following. I think it's the last, uh, last uh, 10 verses or so of uh, chapter 11. Um, so he's giving them um, just kind of basic life instructions here, but now he wants to talk especially about um, the Eucharist. And what I love in that is just starting out with the whole idea that it's this idea that it's a tradition. Yep. Yeah. So do you want to read like verse 23? I think we, you and I have different tra- complimentary translations. Uh, 23, is that what you're thinking? Yep. Okay. So I'll, I'm going to read, this is 23 through 26 that I'm going to read here. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he gave, when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also the chalice after supper saying, this chalice is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. One more, one more verse. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the chalice, you proclaim the, Lord, the Lord's death until he comes. Yeah. So I love that idea that it's, he's talking about it in traditional language. I receive from the Lord what I handed on to you. Right. So you know this. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm not telling you anything surprising. I'm not telling you anything out of left field. I'm telling you about uh, the heart of the faith in that regard. And, um, you know, I think that's just uh, a beautiful encouragement for us as uh, in our Eucharistic faith and the importance of the Eucharist, the importance of the Sunday Mass that St. Paul talks about in important language in this way. Right, right. And, and, and Taking it for granted almost. Well, not taking it for granted, which means that he doesn't appreciate it. 
but uh, taking, taking it as granted, a given. Right, a given that they already are familiar with it. And again, he, he would have planted the church in Corinth a good right. five years ago right. before he's writing this. Um, the, one of the things, just in terms of other books of, of the New Testament, so if, if St. Paul's account, which he relates here, is very similar, very, mm. the language, excuse me, is very similar to the language that Luke has in his account of the Last Supper, reflecting the fact that Luke, as he tells us, as, when, if you listen to our episode, Luke was very diligent about consulting various sources mm-hmm. as he uh, was, was writing his gospel. And so it's likely, we know that he spent time with St. Paul, it's likely that he took some of what he learned and the, the verbiage mm-hmm. from St. Paul. Right. A great connect. We call that intertextuality. Yes. So yeah. references of the text or allusions of the text to other parts of biblical text. Exactly. So so we we get here and the the um, the editors of the translation I have titled that section the institution of the Eucharist. So mm-hmm. again, Saint Paul relating what he's already told the Corinthians years ago at this point. So then, Father, the thing that strikes me, just because this was has been a, a, a current topic, if you will, within the, yeah, the, yeah. the Catholic Church world, um, the question of of under in, in what condition I should or should not receive Holy Communion, receive the Eucharist. Um, again, the editors of my translation have this next section titled, Partaking of the Eucharist Unworthily. Do you happen to have the text at hand yourself? I do, I do. So uh, and I'm reading from a different translation. I'm reading from the NAB. You're reading from the RSV. Yep. Uh, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and the blood of the Lord. A person should examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are ill and infirm and a considerable number are dying. So um, we can see right away this whole idea of the Catholic notion of a closed communion. Explain that. Well, that communion isn't just open to whomever wants to receive it. Oh, I feel like communion today... You know, yeah, Jesus is kind of groovy. I feel really moved and really touched. And while I'm not a Catholic or maybe I am uh, haven't observed things a Catholic should do, I'm going to go ahead and receive communion. That'd be kind of an open communion. Right. As Catholics, our communion is closed. Right. Uh, now, it's not because of inhospitality, uh, but it's closed to those who aren't fully a part of our faith. And it's closed to those Catholics who maybe haven't been in need to go to confession or just as simply close to a Catholic who uh, didn't observe the fast. Right. Or a Catholic who was distracted at Mass. Right. Right. And maybe I'm overly worried about my fantasy football team. Well, Father, <laughs> end his homily in time so I can go back and make a change to my starting lineup for my fantasy football team. Yep. If that's what we're worried about, you know, that falls under what St. Paul says, you know, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Right. I don't know about you, but I'd want to avoid as much as I could. Uh, having to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. Right. Eating eat and drinking judgment upon myself. Right. So this is this is where we get the idea. This is the, the biblical basis for the church's teaching on being in union with the church and in a state of grace mm-hmm. in order to receive Holy Communion. It's, right. The church isn't mean because no. of this. Not anymore. Well, <laughs> no, it, we're not mean. No. We're not, I mean, we're saying no to protect a better yes and to get from you a better yes. Exactly. It's interesting too, that in this letter where he's concerned about the topic of unity, he doesn't use the Eucharist as a way to um, <clears throat> unite those who are divided in, in, a, in a certain way 
but he uses it in some ways more as an expression of unity. Right. Now, it unites us with Christ, and it actually cr- strengthens the bonds of unity, but it can't repair uh, destroyed bonds of unity. Exactly. Yeah, if, if there's already a breach in the relationship, this is not the sacrament that restores that relationship. Right. Uh, actually, there's a great little uh, thing from the Baltimore Catechism uh, that talks about uh, eating food, um, that uh, when you're healthy, you know, you can eat, uh, you can easily eat. When you are sick, you can eat, but only uh, more carefully. When you're dead, you do not eat, mm. right? So someone who is without mortal sin uh, <clears throat> can receive communion. Souls in venial sin receive, right? But it's it's a different reception. Souls in mortal sin can't receive. Right, right. So that's just because of, you know, there's been discussions about who can, who can't, who should, who shouldn't receive communion. I think it's worthwhile. Father, we've got about two and a half minutes to go. I want to give you a chance. Is there something that you want to comment on in this first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians? Oh, wow. In two minutes or less. I I really love 1 Corinthians 15, uh, that if the resurrection isn't real, then your faith is in vain. Mm. Just to me, throw it down, St. Paul. Right. Um, It's really inspiring to me, Ignition ignition readers just on the primacy of the resurrection the resurrection verifies uh, everything jesus says and if the resurrection isn't real then why even believe in jesus right so that goes to you know oftentimes we, well jesus was a great teacher and so on well yes he was but but ultimately he was much much more than that if it didn't die on the cross and then rise again mm-hmm. everything else is worthless right because then it, then it's te- why should i believe his teaching Right. What is there to confirm or to validate his teaching? Nothing. Yep. Yep. Uh, anything else in the letter? Oh, well, and then that whole thing on purgatory is really cool. First, uh, First Corinthians three, I think it's around chapter eleven or so. Just a great passage on purgatory. Um, I mean, it doesn't deliberately name purgatory, but it's certainly a, a reference to an idea of a purgation after death that is neither a state after death that is neither heaven nor hell. Right. So where we're cleansed as if through fire. Right. So presumably that's part of where, where we get the image of, of, of purification by spiritual fire, if you will. Through suffering and loss. Right, right. One more minute, Father. What else? Uh, well, God. Uh, I spent a lot of time on that 11, so I want to be <clears throat> fair to you. Well, we both kind of spent time that's on that 11. That's true. Um, and I like all these parts. Uh, I love the parts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. Um, just great. If you ever get in contact with those who are charismatic, whether within the Catholic church or outside the Catholic church, you ever have questions that way. First Corinthians 12, 13, 14 is a great little primer, uh, in that regard, uh, to help you out, to help you to navigate some of those questions. You know, um, you might encounter some Pentecostals that say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. Right. That's not what St. Paul says. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there's so much more, uh, father that we could talk about but we have like 15 seconds left so there is no more no time more. read the book <laughs> yeah again we want to reiterate read um read spend time pray with meditate with read the sacred scriptures in this case we've been talking particularly about saint paul's first letter to the corinthians and that will wrap, wrap up this episode of ignition again you can email us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweet us sfdiocese use the hashtag ignition with any thoughts questions or ideas for future episodes until next time dear listeners may almighty god bless you you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.